I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, and uh, specifically Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter number 9. So I think my preacher brethren in here this morning would understand what I'm about to say. Um, Some messages preach well, (laughs) and some messages don't. Some messages teach better than they preach. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I am fully convinced right now this is the will of God for this hour, but I don't think this message is going to preach as well as it's going to teach. But I do know this. It's uh, without a shadow of a doubt, it's something that we need to hear really, really bad today. And so it's not one of those messages that we're going to shout the house down on, but it's definitely a message that that we need to receive today, and I hope that you will, I hope you'll give us a good hearing, I hope all of our young people will give us a good hearing today. Nehemiah chapter 9, when you find your, uh, your places in your Bibles, if you're able to stand, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word and also give you just a, a moment to stretch your legs. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse number 24. The Bible says, so the children went in and possess the land, and thou subduedest before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gavest them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they would. And they took strong cities and a fat land and possessed houses full of goods, wells digged, vineyards and olive yards and fruit trees in abundance. In other words, they inherited all these things. They didn't dig the wells. They just inherited them. They didn't plant the vineyards or the olive yards. They just inherited them. The Bible says in verse 25, so they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs and slew thy prophets which testified against them to turn to thee And they wrought great provocations. In other words, they provoked the Lord. Verse 27, therefore thou deliveredest them into the hand of their enemies who vexed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. And according to thy manifold mercies, thou gavest them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Wow. (laughs) Sort of sounds like America, doesn't it? And therefore leftest thou them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had the dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. And many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies, and testifiedest against them that thou mightest bring them again unto thy law. Yet they dealt proudly and hearkened not unto thy commandments, but sinned against thy judgments, which if a man do... He shall live in them. And withdrew the shoulder and hardened their neck and would not hear. You may be seated this morning. And I want to talk to you about this subject, accepting the terms. Accepting the terms. And I think you'll you'll get the the drift of what we're talking about here in just a moment. And uh, the screen that we have today definitely goes right along with our thought this morning, and uh, so great time to listen, 
And uh, I hope you'll, you'll learn something today. And so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. We definitely need his help today. And we'll jump right into the Bible study, which is really what this is going to be. Father, thank you for the word of God. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that teaches us the word of God. Lord, our Bible tells us that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. And so, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to teach us today. Lord, I'm not going to, we're not going to shout the house down today like we sometimes would. Uh, But I I really believe, though, that this message is going to be incredibly helpful today. Lord, Miss Krista just sang about healing. And I really think, Lord, that if we could get what I'm going to try to teach today, Lord, what your Holy Spirit has given me in the privacy of the study Lord, I I really believe that we would receive healing. There's not a shadow of a doubt about that. God, we would receive healing. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll save the lost. I pray that you'll encourage the saved. Father, I pray that you'd edify the saints. I pray that you'd work through the live stream. Lord, we we plead the blood of Christ uh, over the service and over this church. And, Lord, I pray that you'd not allow the enemy to hinder or distract. God, I pray that you'd give our folks supernatural energy that they could uh, listen. I know it's easier for me because I'm up here moving and animated and they're sitting and and still and sometimes it's very hard to listen. I I understand. And I pray that you'd give them spiritual energy now to hear and to learn. Bless our discussion this morning, I pray. I pray we'd say only that that you'd be pleased with. And I pray that we would skip over anything that you don't want said today. And Father, we thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Nehemiah chapter nine is a testimony of sorts of the Hebrew people. It's 38 verses long, and basically, if you go back and read the whole chapter, which I would encourage you to do that, it's 38 verses of an abbreviated history of how God dealt with his people through the years. It sort of records their ups and it records their downs. It's a written record of how when the children of Israel did right, the Lord blessed them. But also of how when they did wrong, although although the Lord was merciful, he sent judgment, which is what God does. Uh, We won't get into this today. It's a totally different message, but you'll notice that several times in those 38 verses, the Bible mentions mercy, and twice it mentions the manifold mercy of God. And so even though they had done extremely wrong, God extended to them manifold mercies and blessed them. But I'm interested this morning in verse number 29. And as we read verse number 29, we notice a parenthetical is entered here. Look at it if you will. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse number 29. The Bible says, and testified us against them that thou mightest bring them again unto thy law, yet they doubt proudly and hearken not unto thy commandments, but sin against thy, thy judgments. And then we notice there's a parenthetical here. The Bible says, which if a man do, he shall live in them. And withdrew the shoulder and hardened their neck and would not hear. Interestingly, this little parenthetical is quoted from the Mosaic Law in the book of Leviticus. You'll find that little statement almost word for word. If you go back to the book of Leviticus, you'll find that statement in the law of Moses. Now, 
It's interesting because you can read this verse without the parenthetical and it makes perfect sense. So let's do that. Look, look at it again, verse 29. The Bible says in talking about the Lord and testified against them that thou mightest bring them again into thy law, yet they dealt proudly and hearken not unto thy commandments, but sinned against thy judgments. Leave that parenthetical out and withdrew the shoulder and hardened their neck and, and would not hear. So you could read it without the parentheses and this verse makes absolute perfect sense. But for some reason, God in his sovereignty and God in his providence chose to put this little parenthetical in verse number 29. And I want to try to explain to you what this verse is teaching us today. Basically, God saw fit to add this because he wanted us to know several things. He wanted us to know, first of all, we've been given a choice. Look what it says, which if. A man. Did you know that God will never force you? Number one, he'll never force you to get saved. He'll never force you to stay lost. There are some who teach that, but that's contrary to the word of God. And God will never force you to serve him. He gives you a choice. And so we find here there is a, a choice. But let me tell you what that little parenthetical is teaching. This is what it's saying. If a man is really righteous, then he'll live according to the judgments of God. Look what it says again. Which if a man do, he shall live in them. So if a man is really, really righteous, you know what the Bible's saying? There's going to be some evidence. There's going to be some evidence. And so these people who say, I'm saved, but there's not one shred of evidence in their life according to the word of God in this parenthetical right here, there's a problem. Because if you're really righteous, if you're really saved, there's going to be some fruit. There's going to be some evidence. I'm not saying you're going to be super Christian. I'm not saying you're going to surrender to the mission field, although that may be part of it. But I'm just saying this, that if you are really a born-again child of God and there has been a transformation that has taken place in your life, uh, there's going to be some evidence in your life. Now, I believe that's what the Word of God is teaching there. But I also believe, church, there's another thought here. Also, and I think on the flip side of that, the Bible's saying this, that if a man decides against living for God, which is his choice, if a man, that there'll be some definite consequences. And so if you live for Jesus, there's going to be some evidence. But if you decide, and God says, I'm giving you the choice, if you decide to live against the, the judgments of God, there's going to be some evidence. There's going to be some consequences. Or if I could put it like this, there are going to be some terms that you're going to have to accept. Look what it says again in the parentheses. Which if a man do, he shall live in them. In other words, if you do this, this is going to happen. That's what it's saying. Let me put a... Let me put a, a screen up here today that might help you just a little bit. Have you ever done this? Have you ever tried to set up a device, maybe a cell phone, uh, maybe you bought a brand new cell phone or you bought a tablet or an iPad or something like that, and you're trying to get it all set up and you've got to put all your information in there and you've got to subscribe to the cloud and you've got to put your Apple ID and all, you know, whatever, whatever it is, and, and you're trying to get this device set up and before they'll let you completely set it up and use it, you know what you've got to do? You've got to accept the terms. Now, uh, most of us, you know, I hate to say this, but most of us don't read all the terms. You know, they're about 10 miles long. 
And we just scroll down to the bottom and we say, yes, I, I, I agree. And you don't know what you've just agreed to, but, you, but you've agreed to something. But, the, but again, the point is this. If you're going to do this, you've got to accept the terms of the agreement. And I believe in a way that's exactly what God is saying here. That you have a choice. You don't have to subscribe. You don't have to live for the Lord. Now, if you live for me, there's going to be some evidence. There's going to be some signs. There's going to be some things that people are going to see. But if you don't live for me, you have that choice as well. And if you don't live for me, uh, then there's going to be some consequences uh, for that decision. You see, in life, there are consequences for every single decision that we make. Now, we're going to turn away from Nehemiah chapter 9 some today, but I want to encourage you to hold your, your, your place there, your ribbon there, put a bookmark there, because we're going to go back there numerous times today in Nehemiah chapter 9. But I want you to listen to Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 6. The Bible says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto them that teacheth in all good things. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And then he said this, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In other words, in other words, God said, it's your choice. It's your choice to live the life that you want to live. I'm not going to bend your arm behind your back. I'm not going to make you serve me. I'm not going to make you go to church. I'm not going to make you read your Bible. I'm not going to make you spend time in prayer. It's your choice. But if you choose to live in my judgments, there's going to be some evidence. There's going to be some things that are going to happen in your life. But if you choose not to live according to my judgments, God said there are some terms that you're going to have to agree to. Now, you say, preacher, what are those terms? And I want to give those terms to you today. We find them right here in Nehemiah chapter 9. And so the children of Israel were there. They came to a point in their life when they said, you know what? We're not willing to do it your way. We don't want to serve Jehovah. We don't want to go in the way of righteousness. And God said, all right, but I want you to understand something, that if you're going to live against my judgments, there are some terms you're going to have to agree to. You say, preacher, what are those terms? Just give you three this morning. Number one, we find, first of all, a continual rebuke. Now, it's right here in our Bibles. Look at it with me. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse number 29. And the Bible says, and testified us, notice the word, and testified us against them that thou mightest bring them again unto thy law. Skip down and look at verse number 30. Verse 30. Yet many years didst thou forbear them and testified us against them by thy spirit in thy prophets. Skip down to verse number 34. Neither have our kings, our princes, our priests, nor our fathers kept thy law, nor hearkened unto thy commandments and thy testimonies wherewith thou didst testify against them. The word testify there means to admonish or to rebuke. In other words, because they made a choice to live contrary to the will of God, they, they suffered a continual rebuke. That's what it's saying. God said, because they wouldn't follow in my ways, God said, I testified against them. I testified against them. I had to rebuke them. I had to fuss at them. That's what he's saying in layman's terms. I had to fuss at them. Now, I don't know about y'all, but, but I grew up in a home where we, got, we were disciplined. We were never abused, but we were disciplined. 
And uh, mom and dad are, are no doubt watching today. I know they are because they were watching Wednesday night and they called me out on a few things that I said Wednesday night. And, uh, but uh, anyway, can I tell you, in a, if you were raised in a home where there was discipline, in my opinion, one of the worst parts of discipline was when my parents testified against me. It wasn't necessarily the spanking, especially when I got older. You know what? You get older, you get a little tougher. And sometimes dad would spank you, and you were thinking, Dad, is that all you got? I mean, really, is that all you got? You know, <laughs> well, I'm in for it now, that's for sure. And no, but I mean, you know what? When you got older, you know, okay, so I'm going to get a beast thing. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get some swats. I, you know, uh, no big deal. But when my parents would testify against me, when they would rebuke me, when they would fuss at me, you know what? There were times as a kid when I wished they'd get on to the spanking because the rebuke was worse than the spanking. Now, you say, why is that, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why. Because I knew I disobeyed them. And on top of that, I knew that I had disappointed them. And so here's a loving mom and dad who loved me, cared for me, nurtured me, and now they're having to rebuke me. They're having to testify against me. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, that was one of the very worst parts. Now, in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel went against the precepts of the Lord, God rebuked them by using his prophets. Look, if you will, uh, at Nehemiah chapter 9, verse number 26. The Bible says, nevertheless, they were disobedient, rebelled against thee, and cast thy law behind their backs. And look what happened here. And slew thy prophets which testified against them. Boy, boy, you know what? They got mad. They got mad at the prophets. In fact, they got so mad at the prophets, they killed them. Now, you know why? Because God used his prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and all the different prophets of the Old Testament. God used his prophets to, just, or to, to testify against his people and their disobedience. And because they fussed at the people of God, they got so angry with God's prophets that they killed them. Well, I hope you never get that angry with me. But I'm going to be quite honest. It happens all the time. People get mad at the preacher because the preacher tells them what God says. You understand, you understand this morning that I'm not writing the mail. I'm just the mailman. So don't camp out at your mailbox when the mailman brings you your extra high light bill and cuss him out. It's not his fault that your light bill is high. He's just the mailman. He didn't write the bill. He didn't uh, put it in the envelope. He just delivered the mail. And listen, please understand something, that when you come to the house of God, sometimes it's the job of the pastor to say, thus saith the Lord. This is what the Lord says. And don't get mad at the preacher because the preacher is just a mailman. And you know what? We are so, we are so fickle in this generation. We want everybody in the world to tell us the truth except the pastor. If we go to the doctor, we want the doctor to tell us the truth. If we've got cancer, we don't want the doctor to say, you've got a cold. We want the doctor to come back out. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But we want the doctor to come back out and say, sir, you've got cancer. And we've got to get started. We've got to get treatment started. You want the doctor to be truthful. You want your lawyer to be truthful. You don't want to pay him $200 an hour and him lie to you. You want him to be truthful. Now listen, if we want the doctor to be right and the lawyer to be truthful, we don't want the preacher to be truthful. 
And sometimes it hurts when you come in here and the preacher is telling you the truth. Now, let me, let me tell you this, church. Let me just give you this little tidbit here. Listen to this. In, in, in this. Now, in the Old Testament days, when God testified against the children of Israel, he used his prophets. But in this church age in which you and I are privileged to live, God uses his Holy Spirit. Listen to some verses. John chapter 16, verse number eight. And when he, talking about the spirit of God, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse number five. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. You say, Pastor, what in the world's going on in our, in our nation? Why are people so anti-church, anti-Bible? Why in the world would it be such a big deal to put a manger scene on the front property, the front yard of the church? But it is. So now we have groups that are trying to make sure that churches can't put a manger scene out. They don't want us flying the Christian flag. They don't want, to, they, they don't want us playing any Christmas carols on the radio that even mention Jesus. You say, preacher, why is that? I'll tell you exactly why. It's called the Holy Spirit. Because as they see that manger scene and as they hear a song on the radio, it might not even be a Christian station, but if they hear a song on a, on a radio station and it mentions Christ, it mentions Jesus, there is a Holy Spirit in this world that is testifying to this world. It is true. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is a God. Jesus is the Son of God. And you better get ready. And so we notice the Israelites live contrary to the will of God. And because of that, God testified against them. Now again, church, he uses his Holy Spirit to do that in this day. Let me tell you what's really scary. Did you know for the child of God, if we're not careful, we can so grieve the Spirit of God that he no longer speaks. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30 says it like this, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 19, quench not the Spirit. And in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 3, the Bible says, my Spirit shall not always strive with man. This is all I'm saying. If the Spirit of God, if there's something going on in your life and the Holy Spirit is testifying against that thing and you're receiving a continual rebuke, don't rebel. Don't be stiff-necked. Don't procrastinate. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, you need to get that right. I'm going to. One of these days. Just leave me alone for now. I'm going to. Let me tell you something. You can so grieve the Spirit of God that he will move from that position into the back room of your life where he no longer speaks. And I'm telling you something, church, for the child of God, that's a scary event. When you cross over that deadline and the Holy Ghost of God never speaks to your heart anymore. And so we notice here a continual root. Number two, you say, preacher, what are the terms of living apart from the judgments of God? Not only a continual rebuke, but how about this? Number, number two is this, a, what I'm going to call a cold shoulder. Now look back at Nehemiah chapter 9, verse number 29. The Bible says, and testified against them that they might... Uh, that thou mightest bring them again into thy law, yet they dealt proudly. 
and hearken not unto thy commandments, but sin against thy judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. Look at this part. And withdrew the shoulder and hardened their neck and would not hear. You say, preacher, what does that mean? You know exactly what it means. You ever had somebody turn their back on you and you said, look at me, and they wouldn't look at you? That's what the Bible's talking about. The Israelites turned their back on God and God in his manifold mercy said, look at me. And Israel said, I don't want to look at you. And they gave God, in essence, they gave God a cold shoulder. Now, this is the problem. Whenever we consciously rebel against the commandments of God and give God a cold shoulder, guess what happens? If you're not careful, you'll receive the same in return. You see, if you've turned your back on God, don't expect God to be there for you when you need him. Now, we're going to turn away from Nehemiah 9. We're going right back there in just a minute. But I want you to turn over to Proverbs chapter 1 with me, if you would. Proverbs chapter 1. We're talking about a cold shoulder. And if we can continuously rebel against God, rebel against God, rebel against his judgments, and the Spirit of God is encouraging us to do something and we procrastinate and we wait and we wait and we put it off and we give God that cold shoulder in our time of need, if we're not careful, we'll reap what we sow. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 24. God says here, because I have called and ye refused. I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said in all, all my counsel and none of my reproof. God said in verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Look at verse 28. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Why? Verse 29, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. We say it like this. He made his bed. Let him lay. And that's what God is saying. And please understand something this morning, that God's a God of manifold mercies. And we learned that numbers of times here in Nehemiah chapter 9. And I'm just saying this, that if we continue to, to turn our back on God and to give God a cold shoulder and say, leave me alone. I'll do it one of these days. One of these days I'll be faithful. One of these days I will. I'll start reading my Bible. One of these days I, I'll, I'll sing in the choir. I'll serve in the ministry. One of these days, listen, if we turn a cold shoulder to God, inevitably we're going to receive the same. And so we see here, number one, a continual rebuke. When they were living away from God, there are some terms of agreement. Number one, a continual rebuke. Number two, a cold shoulder. Last of all, we're done. But mercy sakes, hear me out on this last one. Number three, we notice a carnal master. Now look back at Nehemiah 9 again. Look at verse number 30. The Bible says, yet many years didst thou forbear them. And the Lord, you put up with it. Lord, you, you, you gave them mercy. You extended grace and patience and long-suffering. Yet many years didst thou forbear them and testified against them by thy spirit and, the, and thy prophets. 
And the Bible says, yet would they not give ear. Therefore gavest thou them into the hand of the people of the lands. You know what the Lord is saying here to Israel? You didn't want to serve me. And even though I loved you and even though I blessed you, you didn't want to do my will. And because of that, I'm going to turn you over to some different masters. Now you study this out. In this case right here was Persia. And these people were in captivity. Did you know that, that God allows every individual to choose the path they're going to take? But listen to me, church, listen to me. We're about done, listen to me. But with whatever choices you make, you're going to serve some type of master. Now quickly turn over to Romans 6, if you would. Romans chapter 6. I want to show it to you from the word of God. Whatever choice that you and I make in life, we're going to have to answer to somebody. In Romans chapter 6 and verse number 15, Romans 6 and verse number 15, Paul says, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? And then he says, God forbid. Look verse 16. He says, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members service to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members service to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Now again, listen, the wheels are on the runway. We're getting ready to bring this thing to a close, but hear me out. Whatever decision that you and I make in life, there's going to be a master that we're going to have to serve. Someone says, Pastor, how many times have you been charged with DUI? And by the way, I don't say this arrogantly or proudly or anything like that, but I've never been charged with DUI. Well, you say, how is that? And this is the reason, because I yielded to the will of God. And alcohol never became a master in my life. Are you hearing me out? Can I, just, can I just have the attention of all of our young men in the building? And I know our preaching is different, and I know our preaching sometimes is pretty honest and pretty candid. Young fellas, I want to I help you, and I mean that. God knows my heart. I want to help you this morning. Listen, if you begin to experiment with pornography, I've got news for you. It is going to become your master. It's going to rule you. You say, not me, preacher. Yes, you. Yes, you. Don't listen. I've been in this thing long enough to know something. I don't know a lot, but I know a few things. And I know this. There's not a man in this building that can handle it. You say, I can. You, my friend, are a liar. And whatever you yield to, it's going to become your master. If you yield to drugs, it's going to become a master. If you yield to immorality, it's going to become a master. 
If you yield to spending money uh, frivolously and foolishly, guess what's going to happen? Debt is going to become your master. And so, uh, now again, the, the, the point is this. The Lord is, is teaching us something here. And he says to Israel, Israel, he said, if you serve me and live according to my judgments, there's going to be some evidence. But he said, it's your choice. And he said, if you choose to live against my judgments and against my precepts, there's some terms you're going to have to agree to. There's going to be a continual rebuke, a cold shoulder, and a carnal master. But wait a minute. i got to show you something that's absolutely off the charts. you gotta, you got to see this. One of the things I noticed about this passage is that Nehemiah and a group of people had become so tired of living contrary to the will of God that, man, they just sold out. And they were, I love this, they were so serious about living for the Lord. You know what the Bible says? They wrote a covenant and they signed their names to it. Now look at it with me. Nehemiah chapter 9 and look at verse number 38. We didn't read this this morning, but but let's read it now. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse number 38. And so God says, listen, if you'll get right, if if you'll live for me, there's going to be some evidence. But if you don't, there's going to be some terms of agreement. And notice what happens in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse number 38. The Bible says, and because of all this... We make a sure covenant and write it. Look at this, Calvary. And our princes, Levites, and priests seal unto it. In other words, we got so serious about living for God that we wrote up a contract and we got our pens out and we signed it. We signed it. Man, oh man. I thought about a young man by the name of William Borden. You've heard of Borden, the Borden Dairy Empire. William Borden's family was probably one of the richest families in the world. And so as a graduation present uh, present to William, they gave him a trip around the world. And so he takes this trip around the world and they didn't know what God was going to do. While he's traveling around the, around the world, God burdens William Borden's heart for missions. He sends word back and he says, listen, I, I don't want to be a part of the, the Borden wealth. I, I don't want all that. He said, I'm going to be a missionary and I want to reach the Muslim people and I want to learn the, 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 their language and I want to be able to win those folks to Christ. And immediately people begin to send word to William Borden and they said, William, what is your problem? What's going on? Don't you know who your mom and dad are? Don't you know what your heritage is? You're getting ready to ruin your life. And they said that William Borden did this in the flyleaf of his Bible. He wrote these words, no reserves, no reserves. He graduated from Princeton University and there were still companies that were after him and they said, William, come work for us. We'll pay you amazing amounts of money. Come work for us. And William Borden again opened that same Bible and underneath the words, no reserves, he wrote these words, no retreats. He finally left for the mission field, heading toward China. And on a stop, William Borden contracted uh, bacterial meningitis or spinal meningitis, and he died within a month. He was 25 years old. 
25 years old. And the world looked on and said, what a waste. What a waste. And before William Borden died, underneath the words, no reserves and no retreats, he wrote these two words, no regrets. No regrets. You know what, Calvary? You know what I thought about? November the 7th, 2021 might be a good day. For somebody to walk down one of these aisles and bring your Bible with you and get on this altar and bring a pen and in the fly leaf of your Bible, write it and sign your name to it. Today, I'm rededicating my life officially to Jesus Christ. Sign your name to it. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm battling with some kind of a a, a, a sin, nobody knows about it. I'm embarrassed to tell anybody about it. I, I wouldn't want to, you know, divulge that kind of information. And it's like a monkey on my back, and it's like it's got to be chained, and, and he just won't let me go. Listen, today, November the 7th, would be a great day for somebody to walk down this aisle and fall on this altar and call out to God for mercy and say, Oh, God, would you break the chain? God, would you break the bondage? And by the way, if anybody can break it, he can. And what Alcoholics Anonymous cannot do and what Narcotics Anonymous cannot do and what programs cannot do and what education cannot do, he can. And get on this altar and say, today's the day. I'm quitting today. I'm quitting today. Sign your name to it. Get on this altar and say, I'm, I'm serving in a ministry. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to develop a prayer life. I'm going to become a soul winner. I'm going to do it, God. If you'll help me, I'm going to do it. And my dear friend, write it down and sign your name to it. And then don't ever forget it. This is the day that you made a commitment to the Lord. That you're going to follow the precepts of the Lord. Now let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. Oh, God, I pray that you would do your work right now. Father, maybe there's one here and God, there's something in their life. Maybe someone, I have no idea, Lord, but maybe, but I know you know. And maybe there's someone here today and for a long time, they're saved, but for a long, long time, they've been away from the will of God. And God, today, I pray they'd make their way. They don't have to wait. They can do it now. I pray they'd make their way to the altar. And God, in the back of that Bible, I pray that they'll write these words, something like this. Lord, today I'm coming home. Lord, if you'll help me, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. And sign their name to it. Father, that person that's struggling today with an addiction, with a problem. Lord, maybe there is a young man here today that's struggling with pornography. And today might be a good day for him to come and in the back of his Bible write, today I'm getting victory. With the help of the Lord, sign his name to it. Father, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts. I praise only you can. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. How many here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm on my way to heaven. I know that I'm saved. And if you can honestly say that, you just slip your hand up real quickly. 
and you can take it right back down as fast as you put it up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to ask another very pointed question. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to be incredibly honest. I'm not going to come back and drag you down the aisle. We don't do that at Calvary. But I would like to pray for you. And you'd say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand. And if I died this very moment, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, I'm sure I want to go. But I'm not sure I would go. And I really need you to pray for me. And right now, you just slip your hand up. Right now. Slip your hand up. Lord bless you. Thank you. Who else? Pastor, if I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you remember me? You'd raise your hand right now. Come on, be honest. Just slip it up. Sort of wave at me because I may, I may miss you otherwise. Just raise it up. Preacher, it's me. I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another anywhere? Just raise it up. Let me pray for you right now. Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Nobody's looking. Hey, can I just ask us this? Where are you concerning your walk with Jesus? You say, preacher, honestly, there's some things in my life that probably shouldn't be there. The Lord's probably not pleased with them. Okay? And I guess we could all sort of testify to that. But it might be a good day for you just to tiptoe down to this altar and make a commitment to the Lord. Hey, hey. You know, you know what would be really good today is if somebody came down to this old-fashioned altar today and at the back of their Bible, they wrote something like this. Lord, today's the day that I forgive once and for all. You've been holding on to something for a long, long time. Somebody hurt you. Somebody mistreated you. Somebody abused you. Somebody forsook you. You've been holding on to that for a long, long time. And that root of bitterness has tried to start springing up in your life. Today, today, November the 7th, 2021, would be a good day for some William Bordens to come around this altar and say, Lord, today's the day I'm forgiving. Lord, if you'll help me, I'm forgiving. And I'm going on with my life. you stand with us all over the house this morning father i pray that you'll have your way in this invitation lord speak to hearts lord i pray that christians will use the altars lord i pray that we'll come today and rededicate our life to christ lord whatever it may be i pray that you'd help folks to come lord we pray for those that have raised their hand and said that they are not sure about heaven but they're sure they want to go. I pray today will be the day, Lord, when they'll get it nailed down. Help them to come, Lord. I pray you'd give them courage. I pray that you'd give them boldness. Father, I pray that we would receive healing today. I pray lives would be changed. Free that one that's under addiction, that one that's suffering from bondage. Right now, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to break the chain. God, right now, Lord, I'm praying they're going to walk out different, free. 
God, you can do it. So, Lord, have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask our personal worker team if they just make their way to the front this morning. And if you're here this morning and there's a need, there's a need in your life, listen, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to, ask you to step out. And this is what we, we tell our folks all the time. If you'll take the first step, God will help you with the second one. But as I said earlier, God will never force. It's our choice. Would you come? Would you come right now? Would you come? Pastor, I need to be saved. Would you come right now? Would you come? Folks are coming. Folks are praying. Listen, if you have a personal need today please be sure you see one of our personal workers up here at the front and especially if you're here right now and you say brother Pope I need to be saved I need to be born again listen be sure you see one of our personal workers we want to take the Bible and show you how to be born again would you come while we wait let's just keep our heads bowed in the tenderness of this moment man what a blessing to have a church family Nothing like it. Father, I thank you for your blessings. Lord, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that he doesn't leave us alone. Lord, I'm so thankful for those times when you could have given up on me. And let And yet, Lord, you continued to testify against me. Lord, so I would get right with you again. I'm so thankful that you're a long-suffering God and a God of mercy and grace. Father, you're doing things right now in this invitation. I pray that you'd continue to move. Father, those that still need to make their way to the front, I pray that you'll give them courage to step out to make that decision, whatever it is, to make that decision. Lord, maybe someone is here, they've been saved, but they've not been baptized, and today they need to come make themselves a candidate for baptism. Maybe there's someone here this morning, and they're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, and you're leading them to Calvary. God, I pray they'll come. Maybe there's a child of God here today that has strayed. They didn't mean to let it happen but they strayed away from the will of God. And Father, today they'd come home, come back to the Lord. Father, do your work now, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We'll sing in a minute, okay?